0: Well, very heavy-duty gospel, of course, something we're kind of familiar with, but we can never cease to uh, emphasize how important it is to meditate upon the words of Christ and uh, and that that, uh, exhortation to love our neighbor and to love even our enemies. Very, very challenging, uh, but very important. In our first reading from St. Paul to the Corinthians, we've got an interesting situation going on. We've got uh, probably three different factions from what I can Guess and infer and reading different scholars. Three different kinds of factions going on. You've got people like Paul whose conscience was well formed and it was spot on. It was, it was about as accurate to the moral law and to proper doctrine as you could possibly get. Then you had a, a group of Jewish Christians who had lived their whole lives as, uh, as Jews and then they converted to the, to Christ's gospel later on in their life. And uh, they were very holy and very pious and very well-grounded in the Old Testament commandments and in the moral law in general, but they were going through a transition period of trying to understand what is going on with the Holy Spirit, what is going on with Christ, what does he want from the church, does he want to include Gentiles into the church Without having them go through circumcision and become full Jewish converts, how how does that uh, work and function? And the 12 apostles themselves had to go through that process. Peter himself had to go through that process of kind of having their minds opened up. Evidently, Christ did not give them detailed instructions. Even in the 40 days after his resurrection, he didn't give them detailed instructions. Okay, guys, now there's going to come a point where I want you to start preaching to the nations, to the Gentiles. And what that means is that they don't have to be circumcised, they don't have to observe the Jewish dietary laws, they don't have to, you know, blah, 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 blah. He evidently did not give them that kind of detailed instruction because when it came to the event, when that was happening, they had to think it through and talk with one another and see and discern together as the leaders of the church what was going on. And so there were many people who were not in leadership, who were Jewish Christians, who maybe thought, uh, I think we're accepting the Gentiles into the church too easily, you know, uh, what about this thing where they're going and they're eating food that's been sacrificed to idols? Because in the pagan towns outside of the Holy Land, it was common practice to sacrifice an animal to a, a false god in a pagan temple and then bring the remainder of the meat that the priest didn't eat and bring it out into the public marketplace and sell it there. Okay, And so should we buy the meat that's sold in the public park, the marketplace? It had just been sacrificed to idols. Some of the Jewish Christians were saying no. No, you can't eat it. Paul was saying you can, in fact, eat it. Okay? So Paul took a more liberal stance and that was the correct stance. Okay? But you had the kind of old guard Jewish Christians who were saying no. In between both of these groups, you had newly converted Gentiles who had worshipped idols their whole life, had been converted away from idols, and were really, really gun shy about anything having to do with idolatry. So they tended to maybe side with the conservative Jewish Jewish Christian faction and say, "No, I'm going to become a vegetarian. I'm eating nothing but vegetables here on out because anytime I'm going to buy meat, it's gonna, I don't, how do I know that hasn't been sacrificed to an idol? Ninety percent chance it has been. You see, so it was a real issue in the early church." Now, it's very interesting to observe, what's St. Paul's solution? Does St. Paul say, okay, so you've got to go to these newly converted Gentiles, or when you're talking to the conservative Jewish faction, and you've got to have it out with them. I mean, you have got to debate and argue and, and just completely try to persuade them no matter what. Right? <laughs> he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that. He says you basically have to respect their conscience. Okay? Evidently, some people can be so persuaded of a position that's incorrect that practically speaking, you're just, you're not going to change their mind. And you got to humor them. In, a, in not in a patronizing way, but in a loving and respectful way. You understand there's these people who've got a difference of opinion from you. And they very well are probably wrong, maybe in their opinion. But practically speaking, you're not going to debate them. Every second of the day, they've got this long personal history as to why they believe what they believe. And so you, you have to find a way to live in community with these people, your brothers and sisters. Notice Jesus is talking about how you love people outside the, the Christian community. Okay, I think that's what he's talking about. At least Paul's even saying, "Okay, you got to love people within the Christian community who's, who've got differences from you." Now, let me let me ask you this: Do you think in the Catholic Church there are people with different opinions? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So, for example, you know, me as a as a you know freshly ordained priest out of out of seminary. One of the things I struggled with is like, there are Catholics who don't really understand the unbelievable importance of the church's teaching on abortion. Okay? Do you you know how how frustrating (laughs) that is to a newly ordained priest who understands the truth of the matter? How important of an issue that is. And I've got all of these... Catholic brothers and sisters who don't think it's that important of an issue. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. So what do you do? Do I Am I going to come up to every individual person and argue, and argue and argue and try to persuade their mind? Well, I hope I can do something to try to persuade them and change and illumine and enlighten. But the point is, is, it's not going to happen automatically overnight. I have to, just by force of re- social reality, I've got to learn how to live in community with people who've got opinions different from mine and very well they could be very wrong very deeply wrong in fact in their opinions and yet we're still brothers and sisters and we got to live in community the answer to that is is charity is love and we can extrapolate from this principle to all different kinds of principles right politics and everything else uh that doesn't mean that we stop having a reasoned discourse you know, it doesn't mean that we stop having any kind of hope that people can change. But it does mean we, we understand that and we respect different consciences is what we do. And that's respecting one another as free, rational human beings, as persons made in God's image for whom Christ shed His blood and died. And so we always put the person first, the primacy of the person, Primacy of love uh, for the other person, and and thereby we can be in community together. And maybe when there's some errors, erroneous thinking and beliefs, they can get filtered out little by little. But it's not going to happen through hatred and open warfare. It's gonna it's going to happen through love.